From the depths of the sea, back to the block. Snoop Doggy Dog, Pokey is the th the doc. Went solo on that ass, but it's still the same. Long Beach is the spot where I serve my cane. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, but you bet not slip. Cause non triz ain't the gizzy for me to quiz out my grip. So I ain't holding nothing back. Well, the Mueller report came out. Oh, God. Is this what we're going to do? And it said that the Preds are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Is, Not, is this how we're gonna start the podcast? Is this what we're gonna do? I like roller. Co- I like emotional roller coasters. I mean, both the, of those things are true. Well, yeah, I guess the report I, didn't really come out. It just kind of had. Ended. I mean, it came out. Yeah. I just don't know. Just you know if it told us that the Preds were terrible. Well, you know, you know who did tell us the Preds were terrible? The Preds. Us. Oh, <laughs> yeah. we've been beating this drum for a while now. It's been bad lately. It's it's. Like I mentioned to you a little while ago, I feel like this is the first time this season that people may not hate us for what we say. <laughs> I mean, I could be way wrong. They might still hate us. I think people still hate us. They yeah. disagree with us now. Well, yeah. we're not. It's, it's that one I need an article, like, worst person you know has raises a good Makes point. a great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great point that you just brought up. Thank you. Worst person I know. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. know some truly terrible people, so that, that, makes me, that makes me smile. Well, we get told that somewhat regularly that, uh, you know, we're – uh, too negative and, uh, you know, the stats aren't showing everything. And, yeah, you know, sure, maybe we are. I mean, I've, I would actually never argue that I'm not too negative, but I think that people have to agree. The, the you know, the writing has been on the wall for a while with, with this Nashville team, and it's definitely, sh- you know, rearing its ugly head, you might say. They've been bad. Oh, brutal. Um, I think that... I mean, the the only game that was, like, really indicated to the mass public how bad it is right now in Nashville was obviously the Winnipeg game, just getting, I mean, you know, you get hyped up. It's, like, huge matchup right before the playoffs start, you know, a projected second-round matchup if, if both teams play well in the first, obviously. Um, so you think everybody's, you know, going to show up prepared? And really, I mean, I thought it was the first period – you know, it kind of looked like more of the national, the the Pecorine Winnipeg thing, but then he played really well. I mean, that could have been, as they said in the the broadcast, well the I, the wild broadcast. The, no, I'm mean the Winnipeg. Oh really? I because Chris the Winnipeg bar, broadcast. They were talking all about how, um, I mean, it should have been probably twelve, thirteen, nothing by the oh, end yeah. of the game. That was well. Even Chris Cuthbert on the wild broadcast was talking about how. And a five nothing loss, Pecorine was the Preds' best player. Yeah, I mean, I th- and I think that uh, he he got the. <laughs> I shouldn't even bring this up. <laughs> Do it. I saw this video today, and I, it it taught me a very important thing about the Predators this year, which is that their um, like player of the game trinket item is a dog collar, <laughs> <laughs> which they place on each other. So. It's probably the hottest thing in the entire yeah, NHL. And I got to, and of course, UC Saros was the recipient after the Minnesota game, I think rightfully so. I don't think there's any way around that. Win, win or lose, the Preds' best player is always their goalie. Yeah, I think the goal, the caller just goes back and forth <laughs> between the goalies. Uh, but anyway, I, Pecorino placed it on UC Saros. So I'm assuming that Pecorino was voted by the team the most valuable player in that Winnipeg game, and I don't know how else. Really. Well, I don't think they do it after losses. Oh, that's fair. That would be kind of sad, actually. Yeah, like, hey, I know he's got blown out by Winnipeg, but yeah. give it up for Pecorino. <laughs> you know, it's like an apology. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I I mean, I've been, I wouldn't say, well, I guess on the fence is a good way to say how I felt about this team because every, you know, every time when, you know, before puck drop and I look at just the roster of this team and the names on the roster, not maybe not down the depth chart, but mm-hmm. the you know the big names on this roster, I just think, okay, this is a competitive team. This should be a competitive team every night. And then games like the Pittsburgh game happened, which was an, a shootout loss, which maybe isn't that bad. Ryan Ellis got a really greasy one right there at the end uh, of regulation. Which was just brutal. Uh-huh. But like, if you, when, you, when you look at the stats of that game, Predators ended with a 45.63% Corsi, uh, 46% of the shot share, and then Gave up 12 high-danger chances and only produced four of their own. All at at five on five, but, I mean, that's just brutal. That was a game that I thought the Penguins should have won in a landslide. That's, and and that's, you know, that one really set off some warning, some some warning bells for me. It was like, 
I just I watched pretty much the whole game through like in between my fingers. It was just like I I can't even watch. It's it's all gonna go downhill so quickly. And so uh, I didn't even mean to be talking about this, but the uh, you know the the stats recap was titled "The Cliff Is Rapidly ap- Approaching." And then poetically, oh yeah, two nights later, oh you nailed it. The cliff came at, in a five nothing loss to Winnipeg. Uh, right now, Nashville, if the playoffs started today, which is right around the corner, Nashville is playing St. Louis, who has made Nashville just look atrocious this year in, in most of their matchups. Yeah, they're actually a good team. I mean, yeah. Who would have predicted that? Is and there th- someone that maybe the live podcast show earlier this <laughs> earlier this year that that said, that went on record and said, no, you know, St. Louis is probably going to be good if they can get around Jake and Allen. Man. You're somewhat unbearable, even though I agree with you. Oh, um, yeah. I know you thrive on smugness. That's an interesting way to say that I'm just a jerk, but yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. No, jerk has been. Uh, oh, it's a good. That's a good re- thing now. Yeah, jerk's been reclaimed <laughs> by the jerks. You want to be a jerk now? Yeah. Speaking of, still tied one-one with the Washington Capitals. Oh baby. Um, oh my gosh. Most importantly, I'm sorry. I'm just. You know how starred for offense the Predators are. Oh yeah, they yeah. still have one, two, three, four. They have four players shooting above the uh, the ten percent mark. Yeah, and way above the career average. I mean, What's Victor Arvidsson at five on five is still shooting eighteen percent, give or take. That's unbelievable. 8%. Like, he's gone kind of cold in the last few games, but I mean, it's just nuts. Brian Boyle's at fourteen percent, closer to fifteen. Yeah, Nick Benino thirteen point four one percent. That's S- so still still overperforming even now. Yeah. And then you have Colton Sissons, who's at twelve. He's had a weird season offensively. He isn't – if you go back and look at what he's done throughout his career, all of his numbers are in line. It's just either he gained an incredible amount of shooting talent or he's getting very, very lucky. Yeah. And I think we probably know how I feel about that. <laughs> it's We could say it's unlikely that he just, you know, found like a, a blessed stone that granted him double the shooting percentage that he normally has. Yeah, uh, offense is kind of the name of the game. I think defense has been, especially in that Minnesota game, because all of the defensemen decided to make atrocious mistakes one after the other, mm-hmm. all in the same game. PJ Subban was, I think, probably the most uh, broadcast, yeah. Yeah, the most focused on, which, you know. Here's the funny thing, though. I thought that the entire defense did a good job of standing people up at the line. But once Minnesota gained the zone, it was just it was over. They forgot how to play any semblance of defense. It's an interesting thing, and, and something I noticed about the, and it's hard to verbalize this, but it's I definitely noticed it in the Pittsburgh game. It just jumped out to me. Is It seems like the, the Predators defensemen, when there's not necessarily a rush, but when you know the attacking team is moving towards Nashville's goal, the defensemen seem to stop skating at like the bottom of the faceoff circle. Mm-hmm. They just kind of leave this gap between like the bottom of the faceoff circle and, and basically the crease. And Pittsburgh did really well. I mean, in the second period especially, I remember, um, I think Crosby passed it to Rust like three or four times just right through the crease. You know, and it's like I, it was actually none of those were goals. It's a miracle they weren't. Um, although Rust did eventually score on a pass to the crease. He was just standing in the crease. Yeah. So I don't know what it is. To me, I mean – you know, the whole debate right now is, is this coaching or is this talent? I mean, it's hard to argue that this could be talent. Like, that's what, I mean, that's what my mentality is, like, the players, you know, none of these guys are in their first year in the league. Like, we know, we've seen these guys play, most of them, several seasons before. And they they have well-established records. I mean, the defensemen have always been a little over-celebrated for their defensive ability, I think. Yeah. That's fair. They're really good in transition, but yeah. But I think that, I mean, they're good defensemen. Like, they're yeah. good in their own zone, especially, you know, you talk about, like, Ryan Ellis has been good historically, maybe mm-hmm. not so much this year. Matias Alcom, he's, he's I think he's still been the most consistent, you know, in, in terms of defensive, the defensive aspect of yeah. the game. Remember when people wanted him to be the Norris candidate? Yeah. The Norris candidate? Yeah. That's, been, that's a while. That's because he played well in Toronto, and that's, <laughs> if you're a defenseman who plays well in Toronto, boom, fast yeah. track to well, Norris, con- Norris contention. I'll say Morgan Riley just hit 70 points. I think. Yeah. Do you think he wins it this year? I don't know. Not, not I mean, to take us off track. But. I mean, this this feels like a year where you don't have one clear cut guy. Like I, I want to say Mark, Mark Giordano. That's what I was gonna. I was gonna say I think Giordano would have, probably have my vote, but you know, Drew Doughty probably. Drew Doughty. <laughs> That's a man who he's just good at all three zones. He understands the game. 
I love it. You know, I I would have a even if even while he plays, I would I had paid your daddy money just to go out and talk smack. Yeah. Like who cares? Make make NHL the WWE. <laughs> I don't mind a little. I especially like that he and Kachuk then gave each other oh, yeah. some nice little slashes. And that was a good slash. That, was, I, that must have felt good. That for was a healthy. That was yeah. a good slash. That was a cathartic <laughs> slash. <laughs> um, but I, this is why this is a primary reason I really can't wait. Hopefully they, you know, have some sort of public access to their track player tracking data when they start doing it. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of agree. I think that I get a lot of us, including myself, get a little perhaps ex- too excited about what player tracking means and what we're actually going to be able to extrapolate from it. But in terms of seeing trends, like okay, why is this? You know, there's like this highway in front of Pecorine or UC Saros that's just free game every time. Uh, I don't get it. I mean, that's what I mean. Like like you said, it's hard to imagine that it's talent at this point. Mm-hmm. We know these top four defensemen know what they're doing back there. Maybe they've, like I said, maybe they've been a little overrated in the defensive elements of their game. But really, I mean, not really. I mean, talk about, like, like P.K. Subban is a classic example because everyone has come to think that he is only good as an attacking defenseman, which is just not the case. He makes, he's cursed kind of with like a bit of the Ryan Johansson lazy skating syndrome where it just looks like he doesn't work, he looks like he's not working as hard and he makes those mistakes that are just like, you just groan when it happens. But 90, 95% of the time, he's extremely reliable in the defensive zone. He's shutting down shots. He's forcing shots wide. I mean, he does the right things. So I don't know why this team for several games now has just looked utterly hopeless on defense. I mean, it's kind of been like all season, right? It has, I think, but I don't know if they've just been kind of getting away with it or, or maybe they're, maybe Joe, the Johansson line has been, well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that they've been good all year, but I, perhaps they had the scoring talent to offset the defensive woes. And every time, you know, there was Ryan Ellis missed an assignment or all the defensemen decided to lay down on the ice together, which they like to do, you know, Ryan Johansson would go find, Victor Arvidsson all alone in the crease, you know, and, yeah. and then suddenly Nashville would have a goal and you'd kind of forget about the terrible defense. I don't know if maybe just – because now they they can't generate chances at all now, so I don't know if we're just more realizing the defensive aspect more because of how bad the offense has been. I don't know. You're a coach. What do you do? Like, in that case, well, if, you're, if your defense obviously – well, I won't say obviously. I don't know relative to your league. You might have the P.K. Subban of your league or the Roman Yossi or what have you, but – if you if you know that your team your defensemen are underperforming in that, at this point in the season, I mean, are you even can you even try to coach them? Yeah, I mean, positioning wise, you're. I don't know the exact numbers, but I imagine that Peter Laviolette is getting paid a million dollars or more. And if you're getting paid that much money, and you're on the ice every day with these guys coaching, yeah, you can you can change it whenever you want. Like that's the good part about being the coach. I can't imagine he goes in every day and looks at the tape and says, you know what, this was a good game. We only, you know. He was earning uh, $2 million last season. So I have to imagine probably around that too. Yeah. But even from an eye test level, a lot of people who constantly say that I have no idea what I'm talking about still like say, oh, the Predators are not playing well. Like I can't imagine he's down there being like, you know what, we really nailed it. Yeah. Do they end is he coaching? Offense and defense? Supposedly he only works, or supposedly he works mostly with the offense, and that is something that a lot of players in the past have talked about, is that Pierre Laviolette, generally speaking, a lot of coaches kind of are like, you know, offense is more read and react. We'll have a few set plays. Yeah. But most of the time it's kind of figure out what you want to do and here's our forecheck and be creative out there. Mm-hmm. But supposedly Pierre Laviolette is very hands-on and coaches very, I don't want to say like harshly, but very meticulously. Yeah, yeah. And quite frankly, it's not really working, Mm-mm. which is interesting because he, a lot of people have lauded him as some offensive genius, and I've never really seen it. I never really thought the teams that he had in Philadelphia or Carolina or Nashville were like that super. Yeah, we're not that great in offense, despite having some really talented players. I mean, that's just kind of where I'm at. Is like, yeah, like the players can underperform and they can, you know have the wrong mentality going in games, but over this long, if it's the same period, and it's, I mean, there's there's obviously some differences, but it's more or less the same roster that's been there the past couple of years. Yeah. And they haven't, I mean, they've always had these issues where 
they're pretty much kind of glossed over by goaltending. But it, I think now it's just like full display. This team has big problems, and it's you know it's kind of the wrong time of year to have big problems in your team. <laughs> well, it's just like when. Yeah, you know, when the Sharks have bad have bad goaltending, they'll win fifty percent of the time. Yeah, when they <laughs> when they can catch a save every once in a while, yeah. they're going to win around seventy percent of the time. And you know, same thing with the Lightning. When the Predators have great goaltending, they win about fifty percent of the time. And when they have Vezina quality goaltending, then they're going to win. Yeah, more often than not. That's but, something that drives me crazy online. Is every time I mention something like that or you mention something like that, someone will be like, oh, you know, the goalie needs to be good to win. No shit. And I'm like, okay, but you're not you're not understanding how good. Like, they have to be so good to get a win. My, my favorite thought exercise is if the goalies were switched, what would the score be? Yeah. And more often than not, it's a blowout the other way. Yeah. And that's not to disparage, I mean... Like the Predators play they, good games every they, once yeah. in a while, but and the, nothing and, and the goalies are on the team. Like that is allowed to be a strength of your team, but I mean, no, I, you'd be hard. I mean, we maybe we saw a couple yesterday after the Minnesota game, but there are not many people right now that are thinking or that are hugely confident in this team. <sighs> that leads to another question: Which goalie do you start? Oh man, see that's that's it's complicated now because Rene has had a he had really three in a row, quite good performances. The 5 nothing yeah. doesn't look too good on the resume, but, you know, if you actually watch the saves he was making, I mean, he's crisp, he's he's also he's pushing off quickly, which is very important for the, how this team is allowing passing, is, yeah. is how quickly you can push <laughs> off again. His lateral movement is superb. Yeah. That is something interesting, though. Why, why would Nashville start him three games in a row like that? I think why, that they why? were looking for that result. I think they were trying to give him basically the benefit of the doubt back. And but he but he played his last game in Winnipeg, right? That's Yeah, cuz Saros played. Yeah, cuz Saros played right after that in in Minnesota. So why? Why would he play against the Leafs, then against the Penguins and then against the Jets all in a period of 5 days? I think that I mean, I don't know. I don't know what goes on in the room. And and for the record, I'm with you. I've always been, I mean, for the past couple of years, I've been of the opinion that that should really never be happening, but well, this late in the, like early in the season, you can kind of yeah. Get it, I th- I honestly think that they had it had kind of leaked, or not even leaked, but just like that that sentiment was in the room of man, Rene hasn't been as good, and Saros has been trending only upwards. Like, is this going to have to be a really tough call? And I I wonder if Laviolette or you know whoever's making that call is just like we're going to give Rene as many chances as he as he wants to give us a reason to start him mm-hmm. in the playoffs. I mean, I've, I've never really doubted that they will. Rene has 52 starts as we speak. And I think they have, like, what, eight games left? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. They're about. So unless he plays all of them, he probably won't pass last season at 59. But still, like, why even why do that to him? Why not give him some time, have him play every other game, yeah. and then have him play the last game of the season just so that he's not, you know, cold for the playoffs? It just doesn't make yeah. sense. I mean, why would you try to replicate last year with him? Like, why would you try to give him the same number of starts? We saw the result. He yeah. was, you know, mentally drained or physically drained. It's some, you know, he wasn't there in the playoffs, at least in that Winnipeg series. Uh, I, objectively speaking, I would probably start UC Soros, or maybe just I don't know. You're the you're the history. The NHL history buff. Have there ever been teams that do goalie tandems in the playoffs that succeed? No. I mean, not, not really, usually. Last season they kind of did it, but. Like, I mean, I think of like Pittsburgh. Every time, like, every time there's an injury, they have to switch. But but those are those aren't like oh we're thinking this guy tonight to give you right. The rest. That's it's, fair. Yeah, that's fair. that's like one half and then the other. Yeah. Like last year with the with the Capitals, Grubauer started, but was <coughs> legitimately. Oh, bad. that's right. That's right. Because they were really sick of Holpe. Yeah. <clears throat> then he came back and won. So yeah. hooray! Yeah. I I mean that's the million dollar question right now is like, I don't think the team is going to improve significantly in the next two weeks. So well, why why would well what what evidence you know what historical evidence would there be for any you know any optimism that they would change? I mean, other than. <clears throat> I don't know what the sorry. <clears throat> Other than like, I, I guess the phrase is like ride the lightning. You know, you just catch it like. 
catch the wind and just yeah. roll with it, like try to get hot at the right time. But I mean, as as we kind of have brought up, like that's what Chicago kind of was banking on two years ago when they came in as the one seed. Is like they hadn't been playing well. They were just kind of figuring, well, we're in the playoffs and we're going to try to ramp it up and get everybody's head that we're doing this. And Nashville, I mean, that first game was kind of back and forth, but after that it was just all yeah. Nashville. So, I, I mean, you got to think that a team like St. Louis that's just been consistently good just recently. eating teams alive. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, they come in against a team that decides, like, okay, well, our real season starts today and we're going to ignore the last 82 games. It, it doesn't sound like a winning strategy to me. <laughs> I you know, Pecorine suddenly is the best goalie in NHL history, and maybe well, and isn't that what happened during what the sixteen seventeen? Yeah, season? I mean, like, basically, it was all like, of a sudden because people were talking about like how great that team was. And if you remember, the, I actually went through and looked it up. The team stats were extremely average, but you had Pecorine throwing a nine forty yeah. every. Oh, game. that's what this this whole goalie goaltending is bailing this team out. It feels so overdone because we've been talking about this for three years. Seriously. <laughs> if not longer, although Pecorini, yeah. if you don't forget, Pecorini was bad from like 2012 yeah. to 2014. I mean, this is a, a huge resurgence for him, yeah. which is fantastic, but yeah, I do fan. wish the team was playing better in front of him. So, to, I I don't know. To me, it's just there's this just such a gap between where I think the team should be and how they're playing every night. And at this point, I have no other answers other than it's behind the bench because I just can't believe – I mean, look at the power play as a great example. Why on earth does the Jofa line plus another you – know, maybe Craig Smith or whatever suddenly look like they just met and also they're eight years old every time the power play starts? It doesn't make any sense. It is so bad compared to their 5-on-5 five five play. And to me, that's just like, that cannot be the player, oh, the power play started, now I'm just going to quit. Like, yeah. th- no, that doesn't make sense. To me, that is, they have been told that they are playing a system, and they've been told that it's going to work, and they've been told that they need to do it better, or it's going to keep being bad, and the system just bad. And I, you can apply that same mentality to the 5-on-5. Five five. It's, you know... Again, P.K. Subban is a good example because people have soured on him, but people have soured on P.K. Subban ever since he started in the NHL. Right. He is an incredible defensive player. I mean, and to me, is like when he gets exposed as badly as he has been, maybe he's injured. That might be an example. It might be an excuse, but, I mean, why would a player who's been historically elite at his position – look bad. I mean, and, and the three others around him. It's just, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. And his his zone ace numbers have looked pretty good as well as his zone entry. <laughs> that's, his actually, zone defense. that's an interesting thing I was looking at this week, and I, I kind of meant to write something about it, and then I got sidetracked because it's a lot of, it's kind of a lot of work, but I was looking at the zone transition stuff from Corey Schneider with his permission. Ooh. I will say, yeah, I, I did. I, I felt bad because I'm, like, he has the tablet page, yeah. and you can, like, export the raw data from it, but it feels a little bootleg and I'm like I don't know if you're even supposed to be doing this so anyway he said it was cool anyhow he does great stuff uh it's, he's at shutdown line yeah right? yeah, yeah. throw money he's on Patreon. oh my god he's I, like I, a lot of people are doing really cool stuff with um kind of like scoring threat and shooting locations and heat maps and stuff and that's awesome but I, he's the only person as far as I know that's doing all like consistent work in zone transitions which is huge because I think there's so much value in that anyhow yeah, Corey Schneider, I was looking at the Predators, and I think the last time this was updated was like mid-January, so it's a little yeah. outdated, but I mean, we've seen the same team on the ice all year, it's not like it's been totally different. And he actually confirmed, because I asked like what teams he's watching, he was only watching the Preds and they were fully healthy. Okay, that's Which fair. I think is, actually matters quite a bit. So, basically what I found is, one really kind of alarming thing is that Nashville is... When you look at like their twenty-something roster players, there's all quite a few of them that are really high relative to league average in non-possession zone exits. So what that is, I just considered that um, clears, icings, uh, fails. I think were the, were the the mm-hmm. you know the non-possession zone exits where you're basically you're getting out of the defensive zone but you're losing possession of the puck immediately compared to like a pass to a teammate or carrying the puck or something like that. So Nashville had a bunch of players that were really high relative to the league in non-possession zone exits, so they're basically clearing the puck a whole lot when they should be, hopefully, you would think, maintaining it. And the worst defender in that is P.K. Subban. But that's just a volume thing I found out because when you look at his percentage of 
possession versus non-possession, he's actually quite middle of the pack in the league mm-hmm. this year, at least for the first few months of the season. So what that means is he's exiting the zone all the time. Oh, yeah. Because if he's way up there in non-possession exits, but his, his proportion is quite average, then actually, I mean, that means he's out. he has a ton of possession zone exits as well. So, and, and you mentioned this, and I haven't looked into this, but I think you mentioned this earlier today, is, is Matias Ekholm relies quite a bit on P.K. Subban to exit the zone. Like, and I wonder if, the, I wonder, I haven't, I, I'll start paying attention to that now, because that is interesting. But, I mean, we've all seen 100 times P.K. Subban stands behind the net for 30 seconds, yeah. and then usually ices it. I mean, it's never really a good pass, but you just wonder if, you know, why no one else is... Like if you look, at his know. possession exits per sixty is in the ninety fourth percentile, but yeah. his possession exit percentage is still sixty six, which is still good. Mm-hmm. It's in the top third of the league, but like, yeah, yeah. And then it's actually really funny because it's the same way with Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi. Although I don't, Roman Yossi's defense numbers are not very great, which yeah, shocker. And he was earlier in the season he was doing so well in the offensive zone that it wasn't yeah. so bad. Entry defense. Yeah. So when you look at their, like, when you look at, in fact, uh, Yossi doesn't exit the zone as often with possession, Mm -hmm. but the majority of the time he's doing it with. Yeah. The majority of the time he does exit the zone with possession. I see. And when you look at, like, Ryan Ellis, uh, just this year alone, it's, like, it's good, but it's not, like. Yeah. Yeah. Ellis has been bad, though. (laughs) Yeah. Ellis has had a very weird year. Yeah. And like, look at Ekholm's numbers. Yeah. Just thirteenth percentile for break or for wow. possession per sixty, and then nineteen in nineteenth percentile for percentage yeah. of zone exits. So that's basically showing what you're saying is like, Ekholm never exits the zone with the puck. No, it's, it's it's always coming from Subban. It's funny that you said you were going to write an article on this because I was actually thinking about writing an article yeah. on this about why we think that PK Subban turns the puck over that's, more than anyone. And that's most, an interesting way to frame it. I didn't even think it, that would that would be a, a simpler thing to look at. I think. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because I'm as as annoyed as I am by all the people that just hate PK Subban. I mean, when you watch them play, you can see where people are coming from because he, you know, the number of times he'll turn the puck over is seems quite high. Mm-hmm. And and you and I have always, you know, turnovers are, are kind of a tricky thing to to use as a metric because they kind of are a proxy for other things. So like, the more turnovers you have, it might just mean that you have the puck more, or you're being more creative, or you know, you're being more aggressive or whatever. It doesn't just mean, oh, you're bad. But I wonder if it's, if we looked at, if that's the, or just a straight result of him having to exit the zone or having to transition from different zones with the puck because no one else is really willing to do it. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're Peter Laviolette and you've noticed that trend, which, I mean, you have, a, have, to. You have an analytics department and these are free websites unless you feel so inclined to do like, Patreon. <laughs> Pfeffer's like one of the originals. Like, yeah. he's a smart guy and I imagine they pay him a decent amount of money. Yeah. I just don't understand how you wouldn't see that and be like, hey, we're going to start using other people to break out of the zone so Subban doesn't have to do it every time. <laughs> I don't know. It but he's good at it, so he is good. I mean, there might be people laughing at that, but he is actually very good at it. <laughs> it's almost like... Can you imagine they're like they're all in a boardroom together and like Mesh is like, hey man, uh, maybe we should focus and everyone's like, shut up, nerd. <laughs> I mean that's. See, yeah. I guess that is how they treat in Montreal. Right. I feel like that a lot of the league still has that kind of attitude. I mean, look at how. Uh, but then why, know, why pay these guys <laughs> as much money as somebody they do? in the organization knows it's valuable, but it's still like at the highest level. It's still. Do you think David Poyle like trusts them, or do you think it's more like a ownership's like, well, everyone else has one? Yeah, I don't know. I, I have no reason really to th- to think poorly of David Poyle. I think most of his moves as a general manager, at least in recent uh, years, have been, I mean, they've been de- – I don't think he's done anything poorly. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. the moves he's made that are really celebrated, like, yes, they're somewhat obvious. If they're if they're available, like, yeah, you obviously should make that move. But I don't think he's made any poor, really poor decisions. Yeah. The team doesn't have no. any bad contracts right now. Since maybe the first for Ryan Hartman. Yeah, and overpaying slightly for – Kyle Turris. And Nick Benino. Yeah. I mean, but that's that's part of it. Like yeah, none of these none of these contracts are like atrocious. So yeah. I but but that said, like while I have really nothing negative to say about David Poyle, he is much older and I tend to think that the older guys just trust their gut more because they've been around longer and you know, this new fancy schmancy these yeah. you know, twenty something year old nerds. David Poyle's never been a great GM. Like he's never been on a really like winning team until now. 
Yeah. People forget, like, the team that he came up on was, like, I'm pretty sure it was the, uh, the like, the oh, the first year Capitals, which yeah, had Capitals. the worst yeah. record in the history of hockey. Yeah. And he was let go before they ever really got good. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. I just think, to go back to our earlier conversation, because there is another kind of component to the equation of is a player or the or the coaching the other component is is it the management for having the right you know are the right players there in the first place and I think I mean the defense like Nationals as everyone talks about they're quite good at drafting defensemen and quite bad at drafting forwards but I think he's done well enough in free agency they got Ryan Johansson Mm -hmm. they've gotten well that was a trade uh, fair enough yeah Yeah. I just I guess I mean post draft he's done quite well but you know they, they address that um, they did. Kraltzers is a second line center for sure. Even if they may have overpaid, they needed a second line center, and they got one. I think a, a decent one. Although, what's going on this year? Who knows? Although he's been good recently. He's been a I weird. Thought, I thought he's been good. Subtle highlight to the team recently, and it's just. Uh, it's just well, I keep wanting to write an article on Mikhail Granlund, but I just in good conscience I can't. They're just not because they're just, they're like not they're just the not. Right chances. He's legitimately Ryan Hartman two They just will not give him any like yeah. And then next season, well, if he if he signs an extension, <laughs> oh, that, is he is he out? Or I think it's next yeah, year. Yeah, he may have one more year. Yeah, actually, now that you mention it, yeah, but he might have one more year. But still, it's just like I want to write about how he isn't producing anything, but at the same time, the Predators have really put him a leg down, like. I, just, I don't understand who they thought they were getting when they when they acquired uh, Wayne Simmons, but I, can, I think they just I think they just got it in their heads like a lot of fans and perhaps like me. They just assumed that that would be the the power play fix. It's just like that was the narrative that got hammered home. Because he's why? tall and stands in front of the goalie. But like everyone, everyone pointed to his great numbers in the power play, and quite frankly, yes, they are. But yeah. it's like we kind of forgot that. A, he was on a really good power play, and yeah. B, he had Claude Giroux and Jake Forchek feeding in the puck. I mean, the... And those two make it very easy. And the and I, they kind of got that in, in Brian Boyle, right? They got the screen guy. They got the yeah. the low slot guy. Um, and it's worked. I mean, they, they I got think, a few sloppers with, because he's screening. I do think Brian Boyle's been a very good player for him. So yeah. I think he's, he's probably been, been the best pickup so far. He's definitely... I mean, yeah, for sure. On, on the score sheet, for yeah. sure. Like, um, who are we looking up? Mikhail, right? You're gonna see if he had one more year. I think. Uh, yep, he has yeah. one year after this one, and you can tell it's taking him some time to kind of fit in with everyone. But yeah, yeah. I'm with you though. It's like I I have a hard time even talking about him because I he's just been he's at least started next to Nick Benino most games. It's if just, not, I mean, he usually doesn't finish there because they realize pretty quickly that that's a stupid idea, <laughs> and then they move him. But then they do it again the next game. game. <laughs> He starts there again. But then. why? Why won't they put him with, with Kyle Turris and Craig Smith, both of whom are good. Yeah. All three of those guys are great second-line players. Like, that's exactly who you want. Holy shit. What's up? I just look back at this game. It's oh, yeah. 4-1 Washington. Oh, yeah. Good grief. Washington took over. Yeah. I'm with you. It's like maybe maybe they haven't liked what they're seeing from the, the Granlin Turris-Smith line, but I feel like when things when, when the playoffs roll around and you need a line, that's going to be your second line. Is Granlin Turris Smith, so why not just let him figure it out right now? They're they've I mean they qualify for the playoffs, and right now they're playing St. Louis, which they don't really want to play anyway. Like I don't know why they would feel like they have to force these lines to try to I don't know. This team has more because as I said. The team the, is hiding their their tactics from from other teams to surprise. Oh, them. they're going the long con. They're really, yeah. Why didn't I think about that? Yeah. Well, there's, I've seen it, I've seen that like twice on some like comments from really? Twitter. They're trying to sneak well, up on people. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, you know that every every organization has scouts that look at every right. team. Like, I think maybe they are just not playing very well. Yeah, because they're not very good. Well, what's your prediction then? For uh, I mean, are you uh, people are kind of dismissively saying first round exit? What are What do you think about that? It depends who they play, right? Like, if they play St. Louis. Unless Jordan Bennington, well, oh, yeah, unless Jordan Bennington and uh, and Jake Allen really just suck, it's hard. You never to, know. It can happen. Jake's a snake, baby. <laughs> he could be incredible. He could be terrible. Yep. We just never know, and I love it. Uh, I love chaos. Oh, yeah. I've always been Team Chaos from the start. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, Columbus beat 
New York, the Islanders, four nothing. That's, a, that's a big was, and Columbus and er, Carolina loss. So that's yeah. a huge swing for Columbus. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, yeah, I I really see St. Louis pulling that, but I think I legitimately believe that, that the third round is going to be Vegas and St. Louis. Like I could you not see it? Okay, so you have because is San Jose playing Vegas in the first round? It looks unless Vegas goes on unless San Jose goes on a tear okay. and Vegas. Or so you're saying Calgary loses so out. So St. Louis or San Jose doesn't win a round, and then you're saying they beat Winnipeg. St. Louis beats Winnipeg. St. Louis beats yeah. St. Louis beats Winnipeg. Okay. Or the I think the Predators, eh? Because oh no, because oh. St. Louis eliminates Nashville in the first round, and then Winnipeg in the second round, right? Yeah. And then meets Vegas in the conference final, and then San Francisco. San Francisco. Why do I keep saying that? And then St. Louis goes to the final and gets swept. <laughs> Because <laughs> history beats itself. That would actually be hilarious. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, I'm talking about team chaos. <laughs> I would feel. I feel so terrible. But wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be funny too if it was like Columbus, like sweeps. Oh man, sweeps yeah. Saint, sweep St. Louis and yeah. But it'll be. I mean, it'll be Tampa. Be That's Tampa. actually reasonable. If St. Louis makes the final, it's actually reasonable that they get swept because oh my god, yeah. Tampa, dude. You, you want to talk about St. Louis eating people alive? I think Tampa is just a monster. They're terrifying. Who did they play the other night that they were down? Is it Pittsburgh? It was Boston. Boston. Last night they were down 4-2, and they just... They won 5-3 or 5 Like, I was explaining this to my girlfriend the other day because she was like, you know, you seem seem to always want to watch Tampa games. I'm like, yeah, it's it's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a team get, like, their asses kicked for 50 minutes and then all of a sudden be like, oh, we need to win this game, and they do it. They just decide to win, and they do. Yeah. That's, that's like someone said, that's a team you tell your grandkids you got to watch. It's like the 1819 <laughs> Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they remind me so much of, like, those early 2010 Blackhawks teams, but better. Like, yeah. somehow deeper. And those are some deep Blackhawks oh teams, God. too. And they're so fast. They're just... Great point. They're fast. Cool. They're physical. They score uh, pretty much will. Yeah. Their defense is awesome. And they have, they have a Vezina quality goalie. Like yeah. that is that is the most perfect team I've ever seen in the salary cap era. And we've been kind of, I don't know, deprived of this team because Stamkos was out forever that one season a couple yeah. of years ago. Like they've, I think they've been That's that team. No one really ever knew how good they were going to be, but people realized they were a good team, and yeah. then now that they've got all the pieces together, oh my well, god! This is the thing they haven't really had a high pick. Like they had Hedman and Stamkos. Stamkos was the number one. Hedman was the number two or number three, but like. I think they had they had the number two pick in like twenty eleven or twenty twelve, and they drafted Jonathan Duran. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's been twenty and beyond. And they've still they got Brand Point in the third round. They traded for Mikhail Sergachev. They had Vasilevsky was a late first rounder. I think that they had. Um, I mean, just everyone like on their yeah. team is a like second rounder or, or above. Like, What's their analytics department like? We're good. You think Yay. they listen to them? You gotta, you gotta think so. I mean, John Cooper's a smart man. Right. Just newly extended John Cooper. Yeah. And why not? <laughs> I agree. If he doesn't win the Jack Adams, I'm gonna be so upset. I mean, who else? But Barry Trotz took a bad team to being good. <laughs> who's the, uh, who's, who's St. Louis's coach now? Craig Berube, I wanna say. I, I certainly did not expect the resurgence. Like they were they were playing. The thing is, they've been playing this well all season. Just remember, in, the, in like the first month and a half, that they couldn't get a save. Oh yeah, and they would collapse. I guess they just got so used to losing those games from yeah. goaltending that as soon as anything bad happened to them, they would just fall apart. Well, but, there there is something to be said for like knowing that your goaltender is going to give up like two softies a game, and so you just have to. You're so risk averse that you have to like you play the game differently because you're terrified of them taking a shot. Personal experience, but yeah. I won't. I won't elaborate. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, what else? I, I don't know how long has this been. Like, this may have been twenty minutes. This may have been an hour and a half. Yeah, I don't know, man. It has been forty minutes. Oh wow! Yeah, this is a short one. Yeah, I mean, there's. We can still talk about all this stuff. Like, we can, I could probably talk for an hour and a half about the lightning. No, I don't want to talk about the lightning. <laughs> you want to talk about the lightning? All right. Do you want to talk about how bad the sharks are? Do you want to talk about how good the the Vegas Golden Knights are now. I haven't paid an ounce of attention to Vegas Dude, this year. If you me. haven't watched a Vegas game with Mark Stone, you are missing out. I haven't actually. Yeah, that, fair enough. Dude, that that team is totally transformed. Like, it is crazy. Well, his like his his isolated impact is something like fifty percent 
on the in the offensive zone. Yeah. I mean, it's it's ludicrous. Does hockey is differentiated from from Vegas to uh, to to Ottawa? Oh, I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. I, because I would, that's that's a little bit unfair. Yeah, well, that's fair. Because I mean, what does Ottawa have to offer? Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's he's certainly uh, proven that he was kind of the right the right name for like the ultimate player to pick up in free agency. Mm. Wow. No, I haven't watched any Vegas games. You should. Um, yeah. I've been bad about watching other... I mean, I've watched a fair number of Toronto games because I like Mitch Marner. <laughs> it's like the only reason... I, every time I sit down to watch a Toronto game, I'm like, I don't even really know why I'm watching this compared to like a Tampa or a Carolina game, who are teams that I really enjoy, but I don't watch that often. Yeah. And I think it's honestly just like Matthews is turn it on. I mean, you Dude, and I went, went to that Toronto game in Nashville. Matthews could have had like two or three during that game. He was just a man. Like it was, yeah. was his expected goals, individual expected goals per game now or per sixty or whatever. It's like been kind of slowly rising all year, and then I think it was right when he got put back with Nylander. Filming, <laughs> it's just like wow. it took it went to the moon. That is that is surprising. Yeah. who would have thought? I know. Yeah, and Nylander looks like uh, he got a lot of stick for his his appearance the other day. Yeah. Yesterday, I think he looks quite. Uh, he looks quite dapper. Yeah, quite dapper. Yeah. I'm kind of working on the. Yeah, it's not as good as no. As him. The, no, this is he uh, truly is this a is, Swedish prince. I've been sick for a week and forget to shave. I was gonna shave tonight, but then you texted me and you were like, "Hey, we should probably do a podcast for the first time in like two months." It's been a month and a half. Damn it! You're right. Yeah. On that note, you are listening, of course, to Between the Fangs <laughs> podcast. We did. It's 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 not technically the end of the episode. Yeah, yet, we, so. we can still we can still talk. There might be a bit. bonus segment. We we haven't done George's hot takes in forever. Oh, we haven't. I gotta, I gotta yeah, think of while I'm introducing the show, you can think of some. Yes, yeah, so you're listening to Between the Fangs podcast, your analytics uh, predators mashup. I could have done that better. Brought well, to you, you by. Give it another shot. I don't know what to call it. The predators I, I analytics podcast by Penalty Box Radio. Justin's gonna love that one. Hey, oh, Justin. Hi, Justin. <laughs> Wow, this really went off the rails. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's think of hot takes. Yes, uh, with uh, George and, of course, Michael. Yeah. I'm uh, interested to listen to this one back because I didn't think I sounded sick, but now the more I talk, the more I think I sound a little bit sick still. I tell you what, I'm telling you because, and you already know because your girlfriend's sick and also everyone you know is sick, including Apparently. me. But to our listeners, if someone comes near you with a cold, run away because whatever is going around right now is utterly atrocious. Yeah, I just maybe had the, to lock maybe the predators are sick. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah if they have this, I, they're playing great <laughs> for having this beast of a cold. Anyhow, anyways, what's you? You have hot takes? I mean, my hot take. I thought my hot. I was a pretty hot take that Vegas and St. Louis meet up in the third round. Yeah, I mean that's just a hot take by by nature of predicting late late playoff matchups. Yeah, hot take. Um, Kucherov doesn't end up with the scoring title. It's literally, it's literally <laughs> impossible. I think he gets a little X next to his name because he's clinched. Yeah, he's, <laughs> Mathematically. Yeah, it turns out he's clinched the playoffs just by himself. If you compete with your like all-time record-setting team in points, you probably are going to win the scoring race. Wow, that was such a, that's such a funny one. Who's going to end up with more points? Lightning or Nikita Kucherov? Yeah. That snipe last time in Boston was so oh, sweet. It's just not fair. It's just not fair. Like you can you can see like the Boston goalies like oh yeah. Sometime in my life. I would love to have a player like that on a team I support. I mean, I, it's like, I I think it's it's a little overdone that, like, oh, what Nashville really needs is just, like, an elite score. Because I think that there's something to be said for having depth that can produce goals, but mm. it would be so fun to have your, you know, an, an Ovechkin, for example, who just, what does he have, 50? <laughs> several 50 goals. Either. Yeah. Like, Ryan Johansson just well, broke his own assist record with 50-something. Yeah. You know, it's like... Remember when, when Ryan Johansson was the third goal scorer? No, I don't. So long ago. <laughs> that was nuts. I, mean, I think it was only 2013, 2014, but still. He's got a great shot. Eh, I will never disparage him for not doing it, even though sometimes he looks like an utter idiot when he doesn't shoot, because I think that the good outweighs the bad. But, yeah, he's got a, he's got a nasty little when shot. Have, when you have Phil Forsberg and you have Ray right. Jarvidson, like, that's a lot of shooting talent yep. on the line. Uh, hot take, hot take, hot take. I take uh, but uh, Rick Jarvidson ends this ends the year with a pl- above twenty percent shooting percentage. 
So you're saying he's going to bounce right back. I think regression, you know, regression already hit when he was injured. Oh, right, right, right. So I think he's going to go up. You can't say that with a deadpan because people might take it seriously. Oh, yeah. Well, if I had to read it online. You can only contribute to your average performance while you're playing. (laughs) It's kind of the point I want to make. Some people seem to think that you can come back to average while you're not playing. It's almost like people don't understand (coughs) analytics or stats all that well. Yeah. I mean, who does? I don't. I see. I see funny numbers and colors, and I think, oh, that's cool. That's mm. bad. Whatever. Yeah, I was a. Uh, I was trying something out on R for the first time. Oh, that uh, boy. Yeah, I was, I was looking. Gonna, up, I meant to ask you how your coding was going. Uh, not not well, but yeah, uh, same. Yeah, I was looking up um, face-off percentage in overtime in relation to victories. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's huge. Well, everyone talks about how huge it is at least. Yeah. Is uh, it? Or were you able yeah, to find anything conclusive? Nothing conclusive. Gotcha. Yeah, there's. I mean. Like I said, the, the only th- really interesting thing I've been looking at recently is that is that transition data, and I I don't know if he's going to update it again before the end of the season. I think Corey will. I think he generally does it twice a year. I would really love to have a full to have all summer, and unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be quite a long summer for Predators. <laughs> I might say, <coughs> but I would love to have a full season of of that of those transition data to talk to look at. Because yeah. I just I don't know it. I don't have a lot of background, a lot of evidence for this yet, but I think that that is one of the most important things is how you maintain possession as you pass through each zone. That's why the trap works well, as yeah. boring as it is. Like, you're disrupting possession. That's it's the key. Yeah, forcing dumpings and such. And Nashville, my dad, I was talking to him the other day, and he's like, oh, I don't really watch. Or no, sorry, he said he didn't watch the Predators for a while because he got so sick of the dumping Oh. The dump ins, and now he's like, I just, get, he's, like, he's like, it's just numb now. Like, I just don't care. Like, they're going to dump it in. That's fine. A man after my own yeah. heart. Which really. I'm kind of the same. It's like, obviously, they're going to dump the puck in, but when they do it on the power play, it's still just the hairs on my back of my neck go up. Like, there are strategic dump ins. Like, I can, I definitely understand the need yes. for them. But and like, there are players on the team, I'm afraid to admit that I don't mind because I know when they dump it in, it's because they actually have an idea. They're not just. <laughs> scared that they're going to turn it over and they have to do something. There are players. I won't mention them because everyone's going to think that I'm just, you know, confirming my own biases. It might be. He might be in the group. (laughs) There are players that do it, and I'm thinking they're just hockey IQ is a little higher, so I think, okay, that's probably a good idea. And and usually, you know, it works. Yeah. That is actually something interesting. Like, what you just said, like, I'm scared to turn the puck over, so I'm just going to turn the puck over in their zone. Just delay the turnover is basically yeah. like, oh, you can make it look like I didn't turn it over because actually whoever, whatever poor soul, Victor Arvidsson, well, actually that's a bad example because that line doesn't do it badly that often. Yeah. Uh, Victor Arvidsson, I think he's like the third best player yeah. now that Kim Fiala's gone. How about, you know, Rocco Grimaldi? Like, oh, I can, you know, I can, Freddie Gutro, I can dump this puck in and, Make it look like I didn't turn the puck over, and it was actually Grimaldi's fault. But actually, <laughs> you and I know. Yeah. Damn it, Goudreau. Man, he hasn't played in a while, has he? Now yeah. That, now that Boyle's around. And yeah. Which, yeah. If you want to talk about, uh, if you want to talk about player substitutions, can we just talk about why the hell Nick Benito's on the power play still? Is he still? Yeah. I haven't even noticed. He's I've just still watched There's the Nick play. Benito. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, on the power play. He's like, <laughs> wait, he's out there? Yeah. <laughs> I, I legitimately <coughs> just don't know why he's out there. Like, I thought the entire reason of getting these talented power play players was so that other players without as much talent wouldn't have to be on there. Something that I, I – a specific – and this is – I promise you I didn't sit down here to have, like, the roast Laviolette show, which maybe we do on a monthly basis. <laughs> but something that he does that I've picked up on is that he he has a bit of that experimental – mentality because I give him a hard time a lot for being too stubborn and not really changing quickly which I think bit him in the ass in the playoffs two years running now where he he could fix things but just decides to keep slamming that head of the wall but I think he does actually have a bit of that creativity but his patience with it is so short so he'll like for example take Nick Benino off the power play because we have better options but then the power play still is garbage so, oh, quickly, let's get yeah. Benito back out there. Like, just go back to the way it was, which was terrible. So it's funny. Or, or like the lines, you know, he'll he'll try to change up the lines, and then they have one bad shift, and it's like, oh, wait, these lines are completely different than the starting lineup. Which Or the best part is when they find a line combination that works, but the next game they're oh, together. Oh, it's crazy. Grandlin's hurt Smith. Grandlin's hurt Smith. Such a good idea. Like you did. It just works. <laughs> 
I just don't understand how after the game, like, yeah. Just, We're not just, doing they it. just wipe this whole yeah. slate clean. Start fresh every game. Like, they, they say Sandy is doing the same thing over and over again yep. and expecting different results. Nick Benito on the second line. Yeah. And the power play. And Mikhail Granlin. I mean, yeah. the poor, lot of average Poor Granlin, dude. <laughs> like, he really has not been given a fair shot. Like, Minnesota's the perpetual mediocre team, and he finally escapes, and then he gets put next to Nick Benino. Ah! <laughs> My favorite thing was uh, <laughs> Kevin Fiala. I get angry, dude. I get genuinely mad about this, dude. Anyway, go ahead. Kevin Fiala has contributed more to the Preds' offense since the league. <laughs> yeah, his turnovers <laughs> have not improved. And now I don't feel like I have to defend him. Yeah, his turnovers have not improved yeah. in Minnesota. Shocker. I mean, it is. A, I still, I'll still go out there and defend him because he also lost Zach Parise and uh, Eric Stahl was taken off his line. Yeah. So that's kind of just him out there again, but like. I really want to know, and I, we do. There's no chance for a good enough sample size, but I really wanted to know what Craig Smith's stats would look like look like away from Kevin Fiala and away and with uh, Mikhail Granlund, because Fiala was doing such heavy lifting as far as getting yeah. him into the zone. That's another example. Ball. Another example of why possession zone entries might lead to more turnovers. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, we got to look at this now. Yeah. Because that's a new theory I'm playing with. Our possession of zone entry is actually, quote unquote, a negative aspect if you're looking at turnovers. Because hmm. hmm. Fiala was, as we know, like genuinely top elite player like, in the yeah, league at possession five. zone entries. He's in the like the 97th percentile. Yeah. As as I love this stat, and I wish I could remember it more concisely, but <clears throat> I don't remember. I think it was I think it was the uh, oh, shoot. I don't remember who was talking about it, but. There's like five players that enter the zone, enter the offensive zone with possession, more than seventy-five percent of the time, and there's like four players that exit the defensive zone with possession more than seventy-five percent of the time, and there's one player who does it both, yeah. Kevin Fiala, like he is a possession monster, and <clears throat> certain listeners, I don't want to give you a shout out, you know who you are, I don't want to give you another shout out, you've had like four in a row. We'll say okay, sure, but he enters the zone with possession, but then what does he do? And that's a fair question, but I would like to look at. Is there an actual relationship between possession entries, possession transitions, and turnovers? Hmm. Hmm. That's like kind of science. We're yeah. actually doing work. Are we data scientists now? Are we doing work? Not just disgusting. <coughs> throwing things at the wall and hoping something sticks. I mean, that's kind of what it is. I'm sorry. We're you know we're analysts, not the Preds coaching staff. <laughs> well, Boom. at least we remember what was on the wall, so we don't have to start over next yeah. next game. Yeah, the Nick Benito thing, just as you could hear, because you heard a rare a rare voice raise from me twice, I believe. Really. Yeah, I know. It's shocking. The Nick Benito thing just, it, oh, my God, it drives me crazy. But he's being paid $4 million. He has to be second-line center yeah. for that money. Yeah, so we can have six, six and a quarter million fourth-line center Kyle Torres. Oh, it's only, I think he's only $6 million. It's oh, not sorry, that bad. Sorry, that, yeah, 250K. Yeah. Wow. What's the difference? The other thing, this is just a funny little aside, and then we can kind of wrap up, but people seem to think, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about how salaries work. P.K. Subban is not demanding $9 million himself. That's what the market has decided he's worth, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's like people t- attack him personally for this $9 million, and I get it. He gets paid twice as much as Roman Yossi, and we think, okay, is he twice the player? Maybe. <laughs> not out of the realm of discussion. Anyway, but it's like, it's not, P.K. Subban doesn't walk into David Poyle's office every day and ask for his whatever $9 million divided by 365. <laughs> like, he's not like, yep, give me that money or I'm walking. Yeah. It's, it's, he, like, he, he could make that money elsewhere, so Nashville has to offer it to him. That's how the market decides. Most of the people who hate P.K. Subban are kind of like, seem to be the free market types. And I'm like, I think maybe you should understand. Like, <laughs> this was the invisible hand value. pushed it to $9 million. <laughs> market value just decided he's $9 million a year. Uh, also, people like to round that up to 10 Do they? Yeah, yeah. Like, this is a subtle little thing. It doesn't make any difference if people like to say $10 million just because it's a little extra. Yeah. Well, <laughs> He's our, not the problem, people. Yeah, he's, he's far from the problem. There are certain players on this team that make them at least somewhat competitive, and he is in that group. And there are a lot of players on the team that right now are keeping them from being competitive. You know what's so funny? 
You were you were telling me the other day about how much Romeo Yossi cross checks people, and oh, now yeah. it's all I can see. He does. It's, like, I, I hate to play against Romeo Yossi. Yeah, I am so. I'm I am so surprised every game that the Predators don't have a million penalties called against them. I wonder. Here's another. Here's another little easy easy stats thing to look up. I wonder if being a captain of a team is mm. a, results in fewer penalties being called against you. And I wonder if Nash was like, "Wow, Roman Yossi cross checks everything that moves. We should make him captain because then he won't get penalized for it." That's. Mm. Just saying. That's some solid logic. That. If, if, it's, if that's right. You got to ask the question. <laughs> you got to ask the question. Man, I'm full of ideas. Today. Yeah, you were you just brimming. I'm going to run back home and fire up R. <laughs> no, I'm going to wait till till Schneider updates the, yeah. hopefully updates the transition stuff again. Well, why don't we tell us uh, where, why don't you tell us where we can find your stuff? Well, you can find my stuff on uh, Pellybox Radio. Uh, what's your name, by the way? Oh, I, I'm, I'm George, uh, George Matarangas. Um, Greek man. Greek George. Greek George. <laughs> Please don't call me that. <laughs> I've never called you up. I don't know why that popped in my head. Yeah, I've never why. called you up before. Uh, yeah, uh, you can find me on Playbox Radio. <laughs> I'm just trying to write more often, but... Man, you do. You write an awful lot. It's, just, it's hard sometimes because the prayers are bad, and that's all I can really write. And people are like, <laughs> yeah, give us positive stuff. I'm like, I can't. What do you want from me? I can't do it. <laughs> I've tried, uh, but you know you, you can't. You know when I write my millions, Ryan Johansson's good. Right, PBC exactly. Great. It's like I feel like I've written this before. Yeah, there's only a couple players that are consistently good. Well, it's, it's it does feel like this sometimes. Where I'm like, oh, PK, you know, people like, write something good. I'm like, oh, PK Subban's good, and they're like, <laughs> no, oh, not, like not that. that. <laughs> Anybody but that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, you find me there, or you can find me on Twitter, George M ten nineteen. Georgian. <laughs> I post some truly low effort stuff out there nowadays. Is that right? Have you have you devolved I, I, I think to I've been, post? I think I've always been pretty low effort. Like in life and just in a lot of things. <clears throat> There's definitely a trend with me of how the predators are performing and the content quality of my posts is like the worse they are, the worse I'm gonna be. <laughs> I still I still think the best thing you've ever posted was the Ryan Johansson WWE belt. <laughs> Heard you was talking shit. I don't think I did I actually post I that. I thought you posted I that. think I, I yeah. I thought you posted I think you you never <coughs> have, like, I posted it as a comment. Yeah. I think you may have posted on Reddit. Yeah, about once a month I get this uh urge to Photoshop mm-hmm. something predators mm-hmm. related. Remember when you were on the front page of a uh, Predators Reddit? For a Cali Arncroke Photoshop. No, I have different. I have. I do have a Cali Yarn Group photo. That's so bad. Uh, yeah, no, the, uh, the the you were like within the last three weeks you posted something about Matthias. It was at the Matthias Ekholm probably. plus thirty Corsi four differential. Pro- probably, I think that's what it was. Yeah, which of course people. That's how like, people found out that that you and I know <coughs> each other, or that I I write things. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, that's funny because so that guy. I all I did was tweet that. Matias Ekholm had a plus 30 Corsi differential, and I don't remember what game it was, which is obscene. I mean, that's, yeah, that's ridiculous. Nuts. Like, I mean, most of the – you and I do the report cards. Most of the time we're talking about, like, plus, plus or minus 5, like, yeah. as your max or maybe 7 or 8. But plus 30 is unbelievable. So I posted on Twitter. I thought that was worth posting. And then someone who also writes for Penalty Box Radio, who I won't name, posted it on Reddit. And then that got or on the Predators Reddit, and then that got cross-posted to the Hockey Reddit. And where there, people were like, why is this important? And I'm like, I didn't say it was. I just posted it on Twitter. And then someone decided to post it all over Reddit. I'm not defending this as some important statistic. It's just interesting. God. On that note, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at WadeM117. Oh, he's hot. <clears throat> he's hot now. Wade him. I'm actually quite hot. I'm sweating quite a bit. <coughs> Where I'm still Mikhail Wade in honor oh, yeah, of Mikhail. <laughs> I've thought I've honestly given it some credence to be in like respect in honor of uh, snacks respected to be in respecter of some snacks. Not <laughs> no, all. No. That was that's just the <laughs> standal. I don't know why that I don't mind that anthrax like I thoroughly do not enjoy anthrax Jones on Twitter. But Fair for whatever enough. reason the I respect all respect yeah, of some birds not, not all. all yeah. <laughs> Thir- thoroughly continues to that's make hilarious. me laugh. <laughs> That's a good. Oh man, my voice is going too. Uh, oh yeah, Wade M one one seven. You can find me on Penalty Box Radio. You can find me at Ford Ice Center. Um, you can find me. <laughs> <laughs> he lives at this address around town. <laughs> I don't know. You can find me wherever you want to find me. 
if you find me in public, don't acknowledge me like in the urinal at Bridgestone when <laughs> someone asked George if he wrote. <laughs> yeah, please don't do that. Please, please, no, please, please do never. It. Please never I do that. I would be so excited if someone approaches me while I'm urinating <laughs> in a Bridgestone <laughs> Arena bathroom and says, hey, do you write? <laughs> it, was, it was like top five scariest moments of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want it to happen to me. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Yeah.